Ivan and everyone. Welcome, Kalusinilthate. Welcome to another episode of Tolkien Takeaway. I'm your host, Vasilius Asimakos, recording from Chatsworth, California. We've reached episode 31. Episode 31, entitled First Age Fs, Part 1. This episode on the podcast, but first, the news from Numenor. There was a Lord of the Rings film reunion. It was there was there was there was a Lord of the Rings film reunion, um, for actors and uh, filmmakers for the from the from uh, uh Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films, and it was for a YouTube series called Reunited Apart, and it's hosted by the very talented Josh Gad, and he did one for the Lord of the Rings film trilogy, and um. It was all, you know, it was uh, it was tied into a charity. It was uh, a charity that's that's run by Cheerios to to feed kids who rely on schools f- to for for their meals during the day. And uh, if anybody would like to donate, I'll I'll provide a clip to the show in the show notes, and you can donate straight from the YouTube page. And when I saw the trailer, the trailer was you know, it was pretty funny. I chuckled a couple times here and there, but then Ian McKellen appears at the end and just. He does his Gandalf shtick, and and it's just I just got chills. I got chills against my wills, and um, then I watched the actual reunion. And to be honest, I didn't have a lot of high hopes going in because I knew a lot of the behind of the scenes stories and like how good can it be over Zoom. And you know when some when a special is edited um, for television, it's mostly it's mostly pretty smooth or it can appear mostly smooth. But the edits in a Zoom in a Zoom show, I've I've watched a couple. You know they're a little clunky and that kind of thing. It's not too much i'm like how what can this add from to my experience what can this add to my experience but i'll tell you i am so glad that i watched it because of the camaraderie you can still even in its edited form you can still really get the camaraderie between the actors um and uh some of the filmmakers some of the production feel like uh, there was so peter jackson is in it who's a you know uh producer director writer philippa boyan's producer uh, and screenwriter for it, and Howard Shore was was in there, and it, it was just you just really um, you really got a sense of the playfulness and the love that these people had for each other, um, and uh, yeah, the dynamic between them. So it, that that alone makes it worth watching. And there were a couple behind the scenes stories that I actually hadn't heard before, which was cool. And um, they reacted a couple quick scenes, and that part was okay, I thought, but. But it, but but even those little quick scenes that they did, um, they're worth they were worth watching because Sean Bean didn't didn't um, bother to do his proper London accent for them, and and they were and and uh, uh, he kept he, his kind of his Northern English his Yorkshire accent throughout, and uh, it just kind of made them better. It could just kind of made them better and more authentic. I really enjoyed that. And uh, I did laugh heartily a couple points. Melinda can attest to that. And and I got chills at a couple other points um, to it. So I, I do recommend watching it. And like I said, I'll include the link. I'll include the link in the show notes. So here's what I was thinking. Here's what I was thinking that, I, that we would do for today's episode. Um, so I I sometimes base, base episodes on aspects of Tolkien's work that I want to learn better and that I want to explore. And one thing that confused me when I first read The Silmarillion, and still kind of confuses me sometimes, uh, to be honest with you, is keeping track of the names. And I'm sure it confuses a lot of other people, too, especially on their first reads of The Silmarillion. And uh, keeping track of the names, especially the first uh, the first age elf names that start with the letter F. Start with the letter F. 
Um, so what I thought I would do is this. I would give myself a refresher course on the first age Silmarillion uh, elf names that start with F. And then at the end, and we're going to do it in two parts. We're going to be do, do two for this episode. I'm uh, sorry, three for this episode and three for the next episode. And at the end, I will decide who my favorite first age F named elf is. I'll try and say that ten times fast. And I will say that that the, that these couple episodes are partially partially inspired by a question that um, that my friends over at the Prancing Pony podcast sometimes ask their guests: Who is your favorite first age elf? Okay, so partially inspired by that. Partially just because I want to refresh refresh all of the names, and uh, and who doesn't want to just go back and do a quick refresher course on on uh, first age elven history, right? Right? Right, guys? Okay, so we're going to go through, um, so this episode we're going to go through Finway, Feanor, and Fingolfin, and next episode we're going to cover Finarfin, Fingon, and Finrod, okay? So let's get started with Finway. So Finway, he was one of the original elves who awoke under the stars. One of the first, first elves um, to, 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 to exist, to exist on the planet. He awoke, he had no parents. Um, and he, along with two other elves, Ingwe and Elwe, were invited as ambassadors to scout out Valinor. The Valar wanted to protect the elves from the evils of Melkor, so they decided to... Um, to bring to, to try and bring the elves uh, over to Valinor so they could live in safety with them and in order to uh, in, in order to win win the elves over they invited uh, they invited three of them who later became their chieftains the chieftains of the elves to go and check out Valinor uh, so that they can vouch for the Valar themselves so uh, they went over, and they liked what they saw, and they came back and they persuaded a large number of the Eldar, which just means elves, it means children of the stars, that, uh, you know, Valinor is a pretty amazing place. We should definitely go. And so the group that followed him, the group that followed Finway, uh, became known as the Noldor, the Noldor. And they became great. Uh, the And in, in his, 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 his clan... His followers became uh, great, great craftsmen, and uh, they became students of Aule, the smith, the smith Vala. Um, and Finway became the first high king of that group. So Finway is the original high king of the Noldor. Okay, so uh, while in Valinor, he married Muriel, and he gave birth to the one uh, who we're going to talk about next, uh, Kuru Finway who became known to the ages as Feanor, Feanor. So when Muriel lost the will to live and died, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we, uh, when we talk about Feanor, um, Finwë took another wife uh, named Indis, and Indis gave birth to Fingolfin and Finarfin. So Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin are sons of Finwë, sons of Finwë. So when Feanor spoke out against the Valar later, um, he was exiled for about tw- he was exiled for twelve years by the Valar, and because of the great love that Finwë had for Feanor, he renounced his throne and followed Feanor into exile. Followed his son into exile. Finwë did, and by this time Feanor had made the Silmarils. He had made the Silmarils the most beautiful jewels that had ever been made and they captured the the and 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 by art known only to him 
Fanor managed to capture the light of the two trees, Telperion and Laurelin, within the Silmarils. And uh, Melkor claimed them. He claimed the Silmarils. So when, when there was a great feast in Valinor, Melkor showed up at the family fortress. Um, Fanor was away. So Melkor showed up at the family fortress called uh, Forminos, and he demanded the Silmarils from uh, Finwë. Right, demanded the Silmarils from Finwë, and of everyone in the household, only Finwë stood up to stood up to Melkor and denied him the Silmarils and rejected him. And so Melkor slew him. He killed him. And he was the it, there was the first blood that was ever spilled in Valinor was Finwë's uh, was Finwë's blood. So that's that's what that's what became of. Um, the first high king of the Noldor, Finwë, Finwë. And next, we're going to talk about Feanor, Feanor. And Feanor was one of the, was, was, I'll say it, he was the most famous elf of the first age, and possibly the most famous elf of all time, the ill-fated Feanor. And uh, so Feanor was the first, as we said, he was the firstborn of Finwë, and he was originally named Kurufinwe, but because, uh, but but beca- but he be- eventually became known as Feanor, which means spirit of fire, spirit of fire. And he was so full of that fire; his spirit was so fiery that, um, in giving birth to him, his mother, his mother, um, Miriel, lost the will to live, lost the will to live, and Feanor became a grew up to become a great smith a lore master and linguist he created tengwar the script used for multiple elven dialects and he also was an incredible orator a very p- persuasive rhetorician and a big influencer he had that gift um, and like I said earlier, he used the light of the two trees to create the Silmarils, which are the most beautiful jewels ever created in the history of the world. Okay, and he had seven sons. He had seven sons, which is much more than was usual for elves throughout their entire history. And he was very prideful. He was very prideful, and he was antisocial. So even though, even though he had a gift for speech and for persuading crowds to follow him, he ultimately was antisocial, and he. Um, and he and Melkor played on these qualities of Fanor's to sow mistrust. And <clears throat> Fanor eventually famously threatened his younger brother, his younger half brother Fingolfin, and he spoke out against the Valar in Valinor. He thought that they were keeping the elves captive in Valinor against their will. And because he spoke out like that against the Valar, and because he threatened his younger brother. Um, the Valar exiled him for 12 years to uh, Forminos, the family fortress. And when uh, uh, after that, when Melkor and Ungoliant murdered the two trees of Valinor, which I talked about a, a little bit earlier, the Valar asked Fanor to split open the Silmarils to, re- to restore the trees. And Fanor responded by saying that if you force me to do this, you are no better than Melkor, and that I can't do this because uh, this was a once-in-a-lifetime once thing, my, my making of these Silmarils, and if I do this, I will die. I will die. 
okay? So he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't crack open the Silmarils to, to restore the trees. And um, after Melkor killed his father and stole the, Sil- the Silmarils, which, which I talked about a minute ago, Feanor is the one that named Melkor Morgoth, the dark foe of the world, and swore and swore the oath of Feanor, which said that he and his son and his sons swore along with him, and which said that he and his sons could not rest, would not rest until the Silmarils were returned to the family of Feanor, and they swore to make war on anybody who possessed the Silmarils. And after his father was gone, Feanor claimed high kingship of the Noldor, and he led most of the Noldor away from Valinor. So they left, wanted to leave Valinor. So they wanted to, he wanted to go back to Middle-earth. So he, on his way back, the, he, he, he went to the seafaring, the Teleri, which is one of the three groups that came over, uh, three groups of the elves that came over to, to Valinor, and he demanded use of their ships. They were they were famed for their gorgeous, beautiful ships. And so he wanted them. He wanted to take their ships, head over to middle, head over to Middle Earth. And they refused. The Teleri refused. And so the Noldor, following Feanor, conducted conducted the famous and tragic kinslaying. And the Noldor fought the Teleri for their ships and killed many many Teleri because ultimately the Teleri could not prove to be a match for uh, the Noldor and their with their advanced weaponry and the hate that and the hate and the passion that was driving them and the Noldor eventually stole stole the ships and took off from Middle Earth um, and arrived at the the Helcaraxe, which is this icy wasteland and by this time a lot of the elves were not were were mistr- were not trusting Feanor anymore and grumbling against him. So what he did was Feanor took only those who were de- like deeply loyal to him, took off and with all of the ships and uh, left and left um, the remainder of the Noldor back in the Helcadaxe, trapped in the Helcadaxe in the, that icy wasteland that I talked about that I that I that I mentioned before and then he burned the ships he burned the ships so that nobody could use them again he burned them out of spite and uh and bitterness which was now which now completely consumed which now completely consumed him and uh while he was in middle earth he made war on on morgoth and he actually he and his followers actually won won a major battle against morgoth but in his pride, Feanor pressed his luck and pursued pursued Morgoth's forces all the way to Angband, um, the Morgoth's fortress. And but he was ambushed then by a group of Balrogs, and the Balrogs fought him and defeated him. And Feanor sustained mortal mortal injuries. And with his dying breath, he cursed Morgoth and Angband three times, and then he died. And as his spirit was passing out was passing out of his body. It was so fiery, it consumed his body, and his body turned into ash. And as far as we know, that's the only that's the only death like that that we have in the whole history of the elves. And so passed Feanor, the the mightiest and most famous of the elves, um, at least of the first age. So that's the story of Feanor. So so far we've got Finway. Finway, who was the um, uh, when the firstborn, first high king of the no- of the Noldor, um, 
was the king of the Noldor in, in Valinor, um, sided with his son, and was eventually killed on his doorstep uh, by Melkor. And then we have his firstborn son, Feanor, incredibly gifted, incredibly proud, led an uprising against the Valar, um, in, and uh, cursed, cursed Morgoth, and swore, swore, and and swore, and he and his son swore this terrible oath to pursue the Silmarils wherever they go, and and uh, so many of the Nolor were bound to that fate uh, throughout their history, and um, eventually committed this horrible deed of the kinslaying. He abandoned uh, his people on the ice, a lot of his people on the icy wastes, and although he won a battle against Morgoth. He ultimately pushed his luck too much. He was surrounded by Balrogs, and they ultimately killed him. And um, that's the story of Feanor. So the final, the final character that we're going to talk about today, the final F that we're going to talk about today, is Fingolfin. Fingolfin. And Fingolfin was the second son of Finwë, and he was born to uh, Finwë uh, and Indus. Uh, uh, um, Finway's second wife, Indus. So he was the firstborn of Indus, Indus, but the second born, second born of Finway. So he was the younger half brother to Feanor, who we just talked about. While they were in Valinor, Melkor tried to sow dissent between Feanor and Fingolfin, and he didn't really succeed with Fingolfin, but he was succeeding with Feanor, and um, Fingol- Fingolfin tried to get his father to rein in Feanor's behavior because Feanor was going around. Um, um, showing distrust uh, of the of the Valar in Valinor, so Fingolfin asked his father to rein Feanor in. Feanor heard about this, misconstrued it, and threatened Fingolfin's life twice, once in public, and both times Fingolfin showed deference to his older brother, um, didn't talk back, remained in silence, just bowed and left. And um, after he publicly forgave Feanor for his um, for his deeds. And so when Feanor persuaded a, gr- a great number of the Noldor to come with him into exile, um, a lot of, of, of people that were under Fingolfin um, didn't, uh, didn't uh, were, were really swayed by Feanor and so uh, and, and decided to go with him to Middle Earth. So um, Fingolfin didn't want to abandon his people, so he went along and followed Feanor, leading a group um, that was following Feanor. And at the kinslaying of the Teleri, Fingolfin and his people arrived late. So they arrived on the scene late, and um, they saw the Teleri fighting the Noldor. They didn't quite know what was going on, so they joined in, fighting, uh, fighting alongside their kinspeople, the Noldor, against the Teleri. Then, after it became clear what Feanor had done, Fingolfin and his people, a lot of his people were really too ashamed to turn back and go back to Valinor. They were too ashamed to, to, to go back to Valinor, so they continued on. Um, but then Feanor, as we heard, led them to the Helcaraxe. They were having a really bad time, suffering the cold and the harsh and the harshness of the terrain. People became very, uh, uh, very unhappy with Feanor started grumbling against Feanor, so that's when Feanor abandoned a large group of them in the Helcadoxe, took the ships and took off. Fingolfin, of course, wouldn't abandon his people, so Fingolfin, um, Fingolfin led his people across the Helcadoxe 
to uh, to Middle Earth, and in in the process, lost a lot of the Noldor in the in that crossing. But it was the most one of the most valiant things that Fingolfin ever did in his life. Was he really really showed leadership at the time in leading his people, helping lead his people to the safety of Middle Earth out of the Helcaraxe. And after settling in Middle Earth, and after Feanor's death, um, uh, Fingolfin's son Maedros ended up renouncing the kingship of the Noldor. And that made Fingolfin the next uh, high king of the Noldor. So it went, um, so the kingship went from Finwë to Feanor to Maedros to Fingolfin. So Fingolfin was now the high king of the Noldor. And he won a series of important battles against Morgoth in Middle-earth and set up the Siege of Angband, which is Morgoth's fortress. And remember, and I keep using Melkor and Morgoth interchangeably. Uh, well, not really interchangeably. Um, Melkor, before Feanor named him Morgoth, and Morgoth after Feanor named him Morgoth. And um, he maintained... So Fingolfin, under the leadership of Fingolfin... Um, uh, the elves, the Noldor, maintained a siege of Angband for 400 years, and during that time, they had peace. They had there were there was peace in Middle Earth um, uh, from from uh, Morgoth's threats, and but finally, Morgoth launched a final great assault, and it was called in the and the, the final battle was called the Dagor Brakolak, which means the the Battle of Sudden Flame. And it lasted a year. It lasted a whole year. And Morgoth let loose with everything that he had. And it was a victory for Morgoth. And um, Fingolfin's forces were mostly defeated. But in a great show of anger and passion and bravery and defiance, Fingolfin took his his horse and and rode out against Morgoth and... um, and flew to Morgoth's, flew, like, went incredibly fast, traveled incredibly fast to uh, Angband and Morgoth's uh, fortress and pounded, pounded on the door, tore door to Angoth, and, to, to, uh, of Angband and challenged Morgoth to single contest. And Morgoth was faced to, to, forced to take him up in single contest so he wouldn't look bad in front of all of his troops, in front of all of his forces. So, um, imagine this. So we've got this elf challenging Avala to single combat. Not only Avala, but the most powerful Vala to single content c- combat. And uh, Morgoth came, and uh, they fought together. And um, and fin- Fingolfin uh, wounded Morgoth seven times, seven times. And the last wound that he gave him, he gave his foot, such Morgoth's foot, such a grievous wound that Morgoth limped limped for the rest of his days after that. That's how grievous it was. And so Fingolfin really did a lot of damage to Morgoth, but Morgoth ultimately prevailed and um, and killed and killed Fingolfin. And but 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 before um, Fingolfin's body could be desecrated, um, uh, Thorondor, our old friend Thorondor, the Lord of the, the Lord of the Eagles, came and saved his body. And um, and so passed Fingolfin, the High King of the Noldor, and uh, one of and, and, and ended in his, ended his life in one of the most epic, dramatic, heroic, heroic battles and deeds that occur in the entire history of the Elves and occur in the entire history of the in the entire Silmarillion. So, 
Um, yeah, so uh, so that was Fingolfin. So uh, Fingolfin, um, younger brother to Feanor, um, was wanted really concerned with keeping the peace between and didn't want to split up the people. So he showed great humility um, in in front of Feanor, and he um, pledged himself to Feanor to maintain the unity between to maintain the unity between the Noldor. Um, so that there wouldn't be a schism in the Noldor, and um, um, did fight alongside uh, Feanor in in the battle, and and took part in that horrible crime, the tragic kin slaying, uh, but did not know exactly what was going on when he showed up, and uh, after that felt so terrible and so guilty that he couldn't go back to Valinor. He didn't go back. He didn't he didn't repent for his deeds and go back, but he soldiered on. Um, he showed a great amount of leadership in leading his people um, out of the Helkadaxa into Middle Earth. Um, won a series of decisive battles against Mor- <clears throat> against Morgoth. Um, kept the peace in Middle Earth for four hundred years under his under uh, the troop that his the forces under his command maintained that peace for four hundred years. But ultimately, um, went out in a blaze of glory, um, fighting uh, Morgoth. So he's a great, great character. Great, great. Um, elf character in the first age, and um, so that'll be it for t- for for the, to the 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 main part of today's podcast. And we'll pick up in the next episode with the stories of Finar of Finarfin, Fingon, and Finrod. So please like the podcast on Facebook. Uh, just search Tolkien Takeaway; it'll pop right up. Um, like the podcast there. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Tolkien Takeaway. Subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please give me a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And please email me at TolkienTakeaway at gmail.com. I would love to talk some Tolkien with you, and your email might even get on the podcast. So having said all that, let's head down to the Hobbit Hole, shall we? So today's Hobbit Hole quote comes from the Two Towers, from the chapter entitled The Stairs of Kirithungal, and uh, Sam and Frodo are speaking, and uh, they are getting close to Mordor, and this is, uh, this, is, this is Sam. This is Sam speaking. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo. Adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think that they were things... The wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for because they wanted them, because they were exciting, and life was a bit dull. A kind of sport, as you might say. But that's not the way of it with the tales that really mattered, or the ones that stay in the mind. Folk seem to have been just landed in them, usually. Their paths were laid that way, as you put it. But I expect they had lots of chances, like us, of turning back, only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know, because they'd have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on, and not all to a good end, mind you, at least not what folk inside a story and not outside it call a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same, like old Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. And that's the end of the quote. So why this quote? I picked this quote. Because we're in the middle of a dark time. Um, it seems there are leaders who are misusing their power. It seems there are peacekeeping authorities who are who are doing the same thing, who are there, who are misusing their power. And um, 
all you have to do is turn on the TV and you can see the riots and the after effects of the riots and it seems like a powder keg has just exploded and so here I am and and we've got a baby coming just around the corner and we're living in a period of great uncertainty right now a period of great uncertainty we've been landed in an unpleasant part of the story as uh, Sam says and uh, we can either do two things we can either uh, we can either turn back or we can keep trucking we can keep moving forward and what would turning back entail it would mean I think taking the easy way out it would mean abandoning our responsibilities giving into panic it would mean becoming worse versions of ourselves and we have to guard against that I believe we have to guard against that because uh, what kind of a story would we leave for future generations if we were to do if we were to do that we have to become the best versions of ourselves we in in all of this on all of these troubling times we have to cling to that we have to become the best versions of ourselves and so I believe I believe for instance that we are made in the image and likeness of God um, which means that we have reason we are given reason we have the ability to reason and we have to use our reason in or it, it before we act to determine our actions we are given a, we were given a conscience we all have a conscience and we have to act to act according to our conscience we have to listen and act according to our conscience and um, we have to cling to our faith we have to cling to our morals we have to take up our responsibilities and we have to remember our rights as human beings so we can't let all I believe that we can't let all of these dark times turn us into um, poorer versions of ourselves it can't it can't make us slide backwards so in this difficult chapter I wish you all of the strength in the world to to stay the course and not turn back so that so that future generations future listeners and readers and viewers of our story um, can be proud of us Special thanks to Melinda Asimakos for all of her support and letting me bounce uh, ideas off of her. Thanks to Alan and Sean at the Prancing Pony Podcast for partially inspiring this episode. And thanks be to God for all things. That's it for now, boys and girls. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time. Namadia. Namadia.